An asteroid is hurtling towards the Earth, and NASA decides to blow it up. That's the plot of two blockbuster movies released in 1998 within weeks of one another. Which is more fun? Which is more scientifically accurate? Are they relics in time, or do they deserve a revisit? On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Deep Impact and Armageddon. Reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters! Dan, went with something a little bit different for the intro. Yeah, it was exciting. It felt weird to do reviews because these two movies, I mean, we all know they weren't critically well-received, but I don't know, com- like having an episode about these two movies that came out at the same time about the same thing, which was like such a common it's like become such a common thing and it was such a common thing it's such a 1998 thing uh so especially in in getting ready and talking about what we were doing for the episode talking to my my wife alicia uh who is is a fan of uh this type of movie in general she had asked why we went with the asteroid movies versus the volcano movies of 1998 Dante's Peak and and Volcano. And thinking about it, it's really interesting how you have these different movies coming out within weeks of each other. Dante's Peak and Volcano coming out, I think a little, if I remember correctly, a little earlier in the year in 1998. And then Deep Impact and then Armageddon, which I want to say was a a July 4th. uh, I I don't have my notes up in front of me. Somewhere around there. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that was like a big old like July 4th box office. America rules. Wahoo. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's just an interesting kind of note for that year. And I guess since we're doing that year, I it was just notable. It's like, wow, okay, 1998, that's the year we're going to have the, the dueling asteroid slash comet hurtling towards Earth movies. Yeah. So totally, I think totally fitting to break from our 97 episode tradition to go with something a little different for number 98. Our 97 episode tradition? Well, because we kept it going for 97 episodes. This is episode 98. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, Oh, yeah. We are we're at the 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 top of the pot. We're about to boil over. It's Armageddon and Deep Impact time. I know it's crazy. It's all over the place. But first, we should get to we should talk about news. One more thing, so on and so forth. Before yes. we just before we start hurtling towards this. First things first. Okay, we are recording this on Thursday, January seventh, twenty twenty one. We have a very special pour one out for Marion Ramsey. <sighs> Marion Ramsey, um, best known Hooks as Laverne Hooks in. Police Academy. She owns the line. Don't, Don't move, move dirtbag. Dirt yeah. Uh, Man, what a what a loss. Let me. Uh, I I need to take a drink. I know, and it's it's here. a shame that we haven't. We never really saw her do many other things. Or if she did, I, I did not 
recognize her. I I think she had uh, had some Broadway credits to her name. Okay. Oh, that's great. Prior to Police Academy. Yeah. So I believe she was 73 and she passed away today. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Oh, such a shame. So So pour one out. Um, Yeah. It's always, I mean, you know, of course, it's sad anyone but the the police the original police academy cast members uh now how many is that three oh that we've lost uh, we there's got to be more but we can't go through we can't go through that now i know i know we can't we have a I very can't. big episode to, to get through but first dan there's something yes. that i wanted to bring up that's gonna blow your mind because oh you, wow! <laughs> is it going to blow uh, it up like from the front, or are you going to plant the knowledge inside well, my head and blow first it up? There's going to be a first. There's going to be a small bit of information that's going to destroy just part of your head, and then there's going to be the big one that destroys everything. So shot. I was walking around today. I was walking to my office, and I passed somebody wearing a sweatshirt that had that was that had the poetic justice logo on it and if anybody remembers from i don't know 15 episodes ago 10 episodes ago uh i had seen a poetic justice style shirt that said portland justice on it i live in portland oregon and it really was interesting to me that poetic justice was something that was i don't know still relevant and fresh in terms of like reference like graphic design reference and uh, i was very fascinated by that and seeing it today just as poetic justice was i i was i couldn't believe it because i saw it and i was like oh is that a portland justice shirt like did somebody buy one of those and but no it was just for the movie poetic justice that came out in 93 93 yeah yeah but i mean to be honest uh you know it you honor the movie Poetic Justice. You're honoring uh, the legacies of Tupac Shakur, John Singleton, um, yeah. who, you know, both passed, uh, Janet Jackson, you know, arguably Regina in King. her prime. I don't know. Regina King. Regina King's like er, first movie. Early, early Regina King. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, I and then there's the we, guy who combs his hair a lot. I don't know who that is. I don't, I have not seen, but He's I like, think probably since 93. Yeah, he's like the other big character in it. Interesting. It happens. It's a thing. Yeah, so anyway, that was just an interesting yeah. thing that happened. Sorry if your mind is completely blown now. It is. I mean, I guess I, I'm not, I guess I'm just not entirely shocked. I think because I feel like I've, See, not as much in Seattle, but back in New York, like it was still uh-huh. a thing. Like my students in New York who were born, you know, years after that movie came out were, you know, would still knew about it and could still reference it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, oh, Joe Torrey. Joe oh, Torrey. Oh, that's the name of the actor? Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, and the poems uh, by Maya Angelou. Right. That's right. Yeah. Who makes an appearance. Ah, yes, indeed. She's at this big, like, uh, family reunion cookout that that they crash. I am going to have to check that out again. It's a great movie. It's really, really great. I I like it a lot. Worth going back to. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. So uh, this is also going to be a very interesting episode because I, you know, anybody who's listened to the last, I don't know, 50 episodes or so, I don't remember when I started doing it, but we started editing in sound clips from... 
the movies that we talk about, whether it's the movie itself or something that is connected to it. And um, this time we're going to do it live. I have like a soundboard that I can just kind of trigger things. Like this is the very first time that we listened to the theme song and the intro live before we started. I've never heard it before. You've never heard listen to the podcast ever before. No, I don't listen to podcasts. Yeah, you Uh, and most other people. (laughs) No, I think especially after the past, uh, you know, nine months. I mean, you know, if you don't have a podcast, you're definitely listening to them by now. So I saw some statistic about um, the number of podcasts that have started since COVID hit. And it was in the millions. I think it was like one and a half million or something. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty sure that like, you know, uh, any online outlets were running out of, you know, microphones, so on and so forth. Right. Well, I can tell you from firsthand experience, that's what happened. I, the the organization that I work for, we were loading up on gear because we got a grant to do, to boost up our podcast. And one of the things that I was going to do first was we have to get a ton of USB microphones that we can like loan out to people, send out to people because everyone's doing it remotely. We can't like just set up a studio and have people come in. Like we just have to send people microphones. And the very first one that I was sending out was actually to Paris, France and having to deal with ordering something to France was extremely challenging because it's a very different system than, you know, it's not the same you know, e-tailers that we have here, like even doing it through Amazon is a lot more complicated. So we say so. That's French. Yeah, I knew it was French, but I have no idea what that means. That's right. Oh, okay. Cool. Just, you know, yeah, that is so. That is the way it is. <laughs> so uh but yeah, so we're gonna be triggering our um our sound clips live, which is gonna be uh interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, we're going to I mean, considering that we're all right. So considering that we are talking about two movies about uh, potentially like extinction level events happening on Ellie's? Earth and what's that? Ellie's Ellie's, um, you know, global killers, however you want to say it. Right. Uh, and just to give you some context. So John mentioned the date that we're recording this yeah. and we also yesterday experienced the oh, storming God. of the Capitol building, the U S Capitol building in Washington, DC. So things are, are feeling very, I don't want to say dramatic because that downplays the reality of it, but things in real life right now are, are feeling very high stakes heightened. Thank you. Yeah. Heightened. Yeah. Uh, we were actually going to record last night and then it was just like, we, we can't, we have, we have too many newses to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, just, it was something that, you know, it's, I mean, everything is history as, as it's happening and everything is history in the making, but Yesterday, for for better or worse, will be remembered, uh, long be remembered and, and studied. Yeah. And I, yeah, the, there's a lot of things that I could say, be, but I, I know that if we get into it, we're, we just no. are going to get into it, into but, it. But, but just along is, the lines of what you're saying, I am so tired of witnessing history. <laughs> 
Yeah, but the, and and I think the point is is that we're here to have a good time talking about these movies and you know letting it be. <laughs> we may have a couple of passing references to you know the uh, you know the changing perspective on giant asteroids or comets uh, hitting the Earth, as evidenced by numerous bumper stickers that have oh yeah arisen in the last decade. So yeah. giant just, meteor 2020, but we are uh, just acknowledging the context that, that we're discussing this in and um, you know, we're aware of it, but let's, let's have a, let's put that aside for the moment and have a, have a good time talking about some, some movies, some movies that also have governments that are trying their best. They're trying their best. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what do you do when it's the end of the world? Like, how do you do it? Well, we you we get a lot see. of insure, just in case, as yes. we've learned from uh, Deep Impact. So, Dan, uh, do you remember 1998 seeing these movies? I remember parts of 1998. Yeah, no, I remember seeing both of these movies in the theater. I yeah, saw you would have been deep- in college then. Saw them both at the Lowe's Multiplex in Mountainside, New Jersey. Saw mm-hmm. Deep Impact. I want to say it was a, it was perhaps a rainy Sunday afternoon. I went with mom, our mother. Oh. As if, I'm not clarifying that for you. Uh, <laughs> well, we are brothers for anybody who doesn't yes. know. So by yes. saying mom, it's not like one of those weird people who just says, yeah, I talked to mom yesterday to like, anybody it's not it's not like a gangster code name like mother isn't like gonna turn out to be gary oldman or something so, <laughs> okay no uh i don't know it's, a, it's a, so i'm mother uh i don't know that was gary oldman in a like two words starting with one accent and going through about three uh fair enough but yeah saw this with mom and i i remember I remember being excited. I remember I was like, oh, Morgan Freeman's the president? Hell yeah. Like, right, yeah. Which that was, was pretty much... So controversial. I mean, but was... But like, I don't know. To me, it just felt obvious. It was like, yes, of course, Morgan... It was like well, when they cast him as God in Bruce Almighty. It was like, yes, of course. Yes. I, I mean, I think that it's easy for us to to say something like that. But I know that in casting this movie, when Morgan Freeman's name came up... Then I think somebody was just like, well, it definitely is a science fiction movie, you know, if there's going to be a black president. So uh, and then and of course, here we are now. Uh, real life certainly would would prove that such a thing. It would be certainly possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, I would say, you know, if I couldn't have Morgan Freeman as the president for this happening, Barack Obama would probably be a, you know, close second choice. Close second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, anyway, saw, saw Deep Impact uh, with mom. I remember kind of being under underwhelmed by it and wanting, a, wanting more, uh, you know, bang for, for, well, not my buck, it would be mom's buck. Yeah. Um, so, and then Armageddon came out. And, and then I remember, you got it. I remember seeing that with a couple of friends and yeah, I mean, popcorn explode, like, yeah. you know. Not to give away what Aerosmith. we're going to talk about, but like, yeah, no, Aerosmith, like doubling down on the Aerosmith, like classic oh, like Aerosmith. quadrupling down on Aerosmith. And, well, yeah, well, we're doubling down on Tyler's and yes. yeah, it's, and just like, we're just Aerosmithing it up 
And I, seeing Armageddon and it was like, yeah, that big July 4th. It was, I mean, it was Independence Day. It was the, it was yeah Independence Day for that year. They tried to out Independence Day, Independence Day. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they've, two years they've, prior. And they even have a reference to Godzilla, the other big blockbuster movie that was that was going to be its big box office competition. They, you know, feature on early in the movie a sequence where a right. dog attacks a bunch of Godzilla dolls. That's and it's true. Like, they're clearly just throwing shade at not the 1998 Godzilla, which, yeah, deservedly so. <laughs> you know, and and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later. But that's something that I feel connects a little bit with something that I had brought up several episodes ago with movies, especially in the 90s, that referenced other movies that were like very current, like not like (laughs) classics, but movies that had just come out like a few years earlier or assuming that in this well, (laughs) in this case, it would be, yeah, just at that same time. But uh, it's. Uh, such a fascinating thing. But yeah, the, you're totally right. I mean, it is throwing shade to the, you know, the competition. Yeah. but And movies that are not like parodies. Like I would I would say like, you know, the the ghost reference right. in Naked Gun Two and a Half doesn't. Parodies don't count. Yeah. Parodies yeah. don't count. But just like, you know, legit movies that are referencing current or recent movies. Yeah. yeah that they're uh, in that universe. Although they're. The movie Armageddon does exist in, oh. yeah. Well, what? Oh, in the Michael Bay universe. Oh, in the Michael Bay universe. Where, so, in which The Rock exists. I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm just going to talk about what I what I was going to say later that connects back to this. But there is a reference in Armageddon to Pulp Fiction. And what's fascinating about that, I mean, yes, it's another movie that came out just a few years earlier, but also... With Bruce Willis, Steve Buscemi, like there's actors in it that are also in Pulp Fiction. And when that happens, it always makes me wonder if like the Pulp Fiction in the Armageddon verse maybe has different actors playing those roles. Or is it the kind of situation where it's like an Ocean's 12 situation where Julia Roberts exists in the same world where Julia Roberts is also playing a character? Rockhound really looks like Steve Buscemi because two people in the world <laughs> the, could definitely look did, like that. Rockhound was he? Did you play the, the Buddy Holly waiter? Uh, and then, so <laughs> well, you what? Are you, another? Go ahead. Are you going to go with the other, like recent movie, indie film connection that Armageddon has? Uh, what were you going to say? I don't know what you mean. You have the on-screen reunion of Steve Buscemi and Peter Stamari from Fargo. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's... And also, you know, Big Lebowski, which was the same year? Was that 98? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, absolutely. So you you a actually little, have... A little less so in terms of uh, them appearing on screen because I don't... I, I think they well, I guess one, they do. They one have scene. The one scene. Yeah. Yeah. The one, yeah. Uh, but what I was but, also going to say oh. is that uh, one thing that I was thinking about when we were watching it, but I forgot to take this note, is that in the first Wives Club, which we covered a couple episodes ago, Bette Midler makes a reference to Mission Impossible, and it really seems like she's referring to the movie and not the TV show, and that came out earlier that year. 
Same so, studio. So that that's the kind of thing that really, really fascinates Back me. Back when another, that mattered. <laughs> another thing is that, uh, and this one, before you say anything, just let me finish, but Bruce Willis in Armageddon also makes a Houston, we have a problem reference, which I know is a historical quote, but it is most certainly because Apollo 13 made, you know, that was a huge line from Apollo 13, which came out a few years earlier. So it's, I don't know, there's just seems to be so many of these references to like really current recent properties, some as earlier as that year with Mission Impossible or some as uh, current as a few weeks before with Godzilla, but it's fascinating. Uh, Totally agree with you, by the way, that it's definitely, it's not just a historical reference. It is a reference to the movie Apollo 13. Yeah. Uh, And it is, yeah, I I feel like it's one, and I wonder how common it is. And I know First Wives Club was not like a summer blockbuster, but I wonder how, you know, how much that happens where with summer blockbusters where you're kind of going for that audience reaction. You want that, you know, whether it's a reference to Apollo 13 and everyone, oh, I know that because I saw that movie a couple of right. years ago. And I mean, of course, Apollo 13 was a huge hit. So it's, oh, yeah, stands to reason that it would people would get the reference even if they're watching Armageddon now. Yeah. And Pulp Fiction has was also uh, these movies were such uh, were so common, like everyone was familiar with them enough where like that's been referenced so many times. But yeah, what's interesting about Armageddon doing it is it's this big budget blockbuster that's making these real appeals to the indie audience casting even Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson at that point, you know, Bottle Rocket, like that was even. Yeah, that was before i mean was he in really anything else i i i could look it up but i'm not going to maybe i will yeah not i mean like was that before like yeah that was before you know shanghai noon before tenenbaums rushmore was that yeah so he was was in anaconda he had a very small role in the cable guy right yeah yeah i mean rushmore wasn't for another Cable Guy was the same year, year so. as uh, Bottle Rocket. Well, Rushmore, he wrote he wasn't in. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But Luke was, yeah. So the, anyway, Owen Wilson. Uh, um, so between Owen Wilson, Steve Buscemi, uh, Peter Stamari, who at that point was, I mean, only really known in America for the Coen Brothers movies. And I, I think Dancer in the Dark. Oh, that's right. He was in Dancer in the Dark. Yeah, which, which I want to say was so good. Yeah. Oh, God, it's intense. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, and then Deep Impact kind of has a similar thing where it, they're they're casting John Favreau not long after Swingers. Right. Yeah. He was relatively small potatoes. Yeah. I mean, I mean he now had, he's one of the more influential directors and producers in, in movies. He's pretty like, much taking control of the Star Wars franchise. Well, Star Wars, he got the Marvel Cinematic Universe Marvel, of course, kicked off. Yeah. I mean, he's I, like Disney's golden boy. Yeah. Well, hey, shall we get into some synopses? <laughs> Let's synopsize these these movies. 
<laughs> okay, so I'm going to do Deep Impact because that, and Dan is going to do Armageddon, but uh, we're going to do Deep Impact first because that did come out first by a hair. Jenny Lerner is a journalist at a major cable news network and is tasked with a boring story about Alan Rittenhouse, the Secretary of State who had recently resigned. When she confronts him with a question about someone named Ellie, he gets pretty spooked. It turns out that Ellie, or E-L-E, stands for Extinction Level Event, and the US government thinks that Jenny has found out about their secret. An asteroid discovered by a teenager is hurtling towards Earth, and the government is scrambling to come up with a solution before informing the public. In an effort to hush Jenny until they can get their shit together, they offer her the first question at the presidential address about the asteroid. When the president addresses the nation about the falling comet, Jenny's star rises, and she becomes the cable news face of apocalypse reporting. The plan? Send a crew of astronauts to the Earth Destroyer and trigger a nuclear bomb in a strategic location. But after their mission fails, and is now sending two asteroids to the Earth, 200,000 citizens of the country are randomly selected to be placed in underground shelters for a few years until the debris from the wreckage settles. That's where Leo Biederman comes in, or back in. He's the teenager who discovered the asteroid, and he's on the VIP list for salvation along with his family. In order to get his girlfriend Sarah in, they quickly get married, but when they get to the transport, they find out that her family can't come with them, so she stays behind. By the time Leo gets to the entry point, he realizes that he simply can't go without Sarah, so he hits the road to go find her. Meanwhile, Jenny, remember her? The reporter? Jenny sacrifices her place in the bunker and offers it to her colleague and her colleague's daughter. Jenny instead finds her asshole father so they can make amends and be together, especially since her mother ended her own life shortly before the asteroid's descent to Earth. Back up in space, the astronaut crew notices a vulnerability in the asteroid and decides to detonate another nuke in it, but in order to do so, they have to go down at the ship. The first asteroid hits the Earth, destroying the entire east coast of America, including Jenny. But Leo is able to find Sarah and escape with her and her baby sibling up a very big hill on Sarah's dad's motorbike, leaving Sarah's parents to get washed away by the tidal wave. Up in space again, the astronauts are successful in blowing up the big asteroid, the end. It's a complicated one because there's a lot of little stories that are being told at the same time. It's, like you said, very dramatic. It's... <laughs> If yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson made an asteroid or comet hurtling towards Earth movie, he would have made it better than this. But oh, he would certainly well, would have. Yeah. It would have been Magnolia, but with asteroids yeah, instead of instead frogs. of frogs. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go down the cast list, which is enormous, and it's crazy when you're looking at a cast list, and Kurtwood Smith is like towards the bottom. So uh, Robert Duvall is the main astronaut who, uh, you know, ultimately decides to blow himself up and his crew with the asteroid or meteor or whatever you want to call it. It was What's his up? birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Robert, Robert, Robert Duvall. Duvall. Yeah, it's funny. Robert Duvall has been coming up a lot on this podcast. I mean, recently, of course, but he's everywhere. He's uh, one of the, the greats. Taya Leone is Jenny Lerner, which is how you know this is 1998. Uh, Elijah Wood is Leo Biederman. His girlfriend is played by Lily Sobieski. Because it's 1998. It's 1998. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vanessa Redgrave plays Jenny's mother, um, and she's excellent. And uh, her father is played by Maximilian Schell. 
Uh, as we discussed earlier, Morgan Freeman is the president. James Cromwell is Alan Rittenhouse, the, the former secretary, sorry, secretary of treasury. I think he said secretary of state before. Uh, John Favreau, as you mentioned, is the medical officer on the, the space shuttle that goes up, which is called the Messiah. Man, we have so many more. Mary McCormick is the pilot of the Messiah. We have Richard Schiff. He's Leo's father. Man, so many people. Blair Underwood is the navigator on the Messiah. Ron Eldard. Ron he's Eldard. The... He's the commander of the Messiah. Uh, Michael Malley is Leo's teacher. <laughs> like, And then Kurtwood Smith is the like NASA guy. Like you don't know how much I wanted him. Sorry to interrupt, but like as when they're like up there, but on the asteroid, and like you know, times kind of close. You don't know how much I wanted to hear Kurt, Kurt Wood Smith just go, "Bitches leave." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think that okay. Where do we begin with this? Or no, wait. Let's do the Armageddon one, and then we'll get down into the we'll circle the back nitty, the nitty grits. All right, sit back. You don't want to miss a thing. So these astronauts are up in space and they're fixing a satellite and then all of a sudden there's like a meteor shower and they hit the shuttle, it goes BAM! And it blows up and then all the meteors come and they hit New York City and everything blows up and BAM! And everyone's running and and everyone doesn't know what's going on. They're like, what's going on? And then there's this really smart guy, Dan Truman, and he's the head of, of NASA. He's the executive director. And he tells the president and he tells all these science guys and he says, it's a global killer because the president doesn't like the word anomaly. So he says, it's a global killer. If the asteroid hits the earth, everyone's going to die. Everyone, it's, everyone's going to go extinct. And they bring in some scientists and these nerds have this idea about putting a parachute on the asteroid and then the military wants to just fire some missiles at it and and then there's this really smart British guy and he's a scientist and he's like the smartest scientist and he's got the best idea of all which is we're not going to shoot a missile at it we're going to drill a hole in the in the asteroid and we're going to put a missile up in it and then we're going to blow it up from the inside and and they're like yeah that's what we're going to do but who's going to do the drilling and uh, they go to this the best driller on earth and his name is Harry Harry Stamper and he's got this crew of guys and they've been drilling for like 30 years and he's drilled into everything he's drilled into everything on earth and he's drilled as deep as anybody can drill and they bring him in to teach the astronauts how to how to use the drills because they that NASA built the drills based on Harry's design and Harry looks at the drills and he's like you did it wrong and then he's like, you know what? There's only one person and one group of people who can do this, and that's us. So he takes this whole group, and like, there's this big guy, Bear, he's really cool. And then there's this like little fast talking guy, Rockhound, and he likes like strippers and uh there's a cowboy and he likes to ride horses really fast and um and then the other guy who's like the best guy on on the crew his name is aj uh but he gets fired because he's drilling harry's daughter so uh anyway he gets all the guys and they all say yes and he goes back to AJ and AJ says yes and they all go to NASA and they're like we're gonna do it so they train and they train and they do lots of crazy stuff and they fly and they loop the loops and and then finally they're like ready to do it so they get onto these two shuttles Freedom and Independence and they 
blast off and they're gonna go save the world and and they go up and first they have to go to the space station and there's a Russian guy at the space station who's crazy because he's been on the space station forever and when they go on the space station they're refueling and and they're gassing up the, the two shuttles but then there's a fire and there's gonna be explosion so they have to get on the shuttles really really fast before the space station explodes and they get in the shuttles and they and they blast off and they go and then the space station explodes and um and and AJ just makes it out alive and and then they're flying to the asteroid and they go zoom around the moon and they go up behind the asteroid but then there's all this debris in the back and it goes smash into the independence and it and it and it blows up and the independence crashes and and they think everyone's dead and it's really sad but the, the freedom lands and it's fine but it doesn't land where it was supposed to land and uh, they have to drill through a sheet of iron which is really 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 hard to, to drill through but Harry's never missed a depth uh, but they're having a lot of trouble there's a lot of things that happen more things blow up and the military on earth is like uh oh so they go to plan B which means they're gonna light up the warhead before they even bury it underground, it's gonna blow up and they're just like, leave it on the asteroid and go. But Dan Truman's like, that's not gonna do anything. So they try to save the, the missile from blowing up and they try to get Harry, uh, Harry to go back in and drill down and, and he has to convince the mission commander to put down his gun and to turn off the bomb. So they turn off the bomb and they start drilling again. And then one of the drills blows up because they hit a pocket of gas and and they blow up and I don't know what's gonna happen and everyone's gonna die. But then the independence is back and they're alive and it's AJ and Bear and the Russian dude and they come back and they're starting to drill and they're gonna save the day. But then there's another rock then there's another storm and more rocks hit and they break the remote control of the bomb and somebody has to do it and they decide to draw straws and AJ has to do it and AJ's gonna go down there and he's gonna set off the bomb by himself where everyone leaves but Harry goes down there with him and when he's about to get out of the airlock to go do it Harry rips off his air hose and shoves him back in the airlock and says no you have to go home and marry my daughter I'm gonna blow this up and AJ goes goes back up and they go back to Earth and Harry says goodbye to his daughter and he blows up the asteroid and everyone else survives and they go back and AJ and Grace get married and it's awesome. You need to calm down. I love That's it. The, that is the energy of Armageddon. <laughs> it is the energy it is the the speed of armageddon because the cuts are so quick and you know it it can take your breath away much like you were mostly out of breath during that entire thing oh man um, do you want me to run down the the cast list we can run down the yeah we can definitely run down the uh, the cast list yeah so bruce willis is harry stamper billy bob thornton is dan truman ben affleck plays aj liv tyler is uh, harry's daughter grace uh, Steve Buscemi is Rockhound. Will Patton plays a character named Chick. And Will Patton is somebody who you might not know by name, but you've certainly seen him in a lot of stuff. I recently watched a new movie called Minari. It's about an Amer it's a Korean family that moves to America and the guy wants to start a farm and this like local dude in like I think they're in like Arkansas or something 
played by Will Patton, like this crazy old towny religious guy. And he's so good in it. And I was like, man, Will Patton, Armageddon. Very cool. Yeah, he's he's great in this. He's, you know, Harry's right hand man. Yeah. 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 Uh, then you have uh, William Fitchner, who's um, the like NASA astronaut. Who's, he's Colonel Sharp. He's the mission yeah. commander who um ends up holding harry at gunpoint because it's his mis- it's his orders to uh detonate the warhead <laughs> yeah uh owen wilson plays oscar the cowboy uh michael clark duncan and i think his first film role is uh bear peter stamari plays the russian ast- uh, cosmonaut that's on the ISS or whatever, not the ISS, but the refueling station. The Russian, yeah. yeah. Mir. I think it's called the Mir. The Mir. That's right. Uh, and then uh, Keith David is there. He's kind of the, um, I don't know, the the guy who wants to do everything the way that the president says, well, the government He's the says. military. He's, he's the, the military, military guy. guy. Yeah. Uh, gotta love Keith David. Uh, Jason Isaacs, a.k.a. Lucian Malfoy, is the the real science nerd who really tells them what they need to do in order to blow this <laughs> yeah, thing up. He's such a science nerd. He's like, we're not just going to shoot at it. We are going to blow that shit up from the inside. Yeah. Well, uh, Dan, I just want to play uh, one of the one of the clips kind of just demonstrating how great he is. Yeah. With the proximity of the asteroid and no prep time, none of our primary plans can work. Why don't we just send up 150 nuclear warheads and blast that rock apart? Terrible idea. Was I talking to you? This is Dr. Ronald Quincy from Research, pretty much the smartest man on the planet. You might want to listen to him. General, if you consider your target, her composition, her dimensions, her sheer velocity, you could fire every nuke you've got at her and she'd just smile at you and keep on coming. You should know that the president's scientific advisors are suggesting that a nuclear blast could change this asteroid's trajectory. I know the president's chief scientific advisor. We're at MIT together. And in a situation like this, you, <clears throat> you really don't want to take the advice from man who got a C minus in astrophysics. The president's advisors are um, wrong. I'm right. Hitting the rock from the outside will do the job. Imagine a firecracker in the palm of your hand. You set it off, what happens? Burn your hand, right? You close your fist around the same firecracker and set it off. <laughs> your wife's gonna be opening your ketchup bottles the rest of your life. Are you suggesting that we blow this thing up from the inside? That's exactly what I'm saying. How? We drill. We bring in the world's best deep core driller. Yeah, so I I feel like the way that he and Billy Bob Thornton kind of describe what they need to do and really demonstrate their authority, especially since we are currently experiencing, although we're at the very, very, very tail end, an administration where you don't want to trust the president's guys all the time, necessarily. Uh, a, a C minus in astrophysics would be impressive. That would be very impressive. Yeah, team. exactly. Yeah, so, the bar is low. Uh, it's, uh, you know, okay. Everybody talks about, not everybody, but when you read articles about this, you hear about how, you know, Deep Impact is, you know, they actually had like scientific advisors on it. And, you know, Armageddon is like completely scientific baloney, like all these fires in space that could never possibly happen and whatever. And it's like, who cares? Because I I love the way that Armageddon explains why they do what they have to do. I felt like in Deep Impact, I there's you don't really get the sense of like what exactly they're doing on the Messiah 
it's just like they don't they don't explain it as thoroughly as they do in Armageddon and certainly not in as memorable of a way. Well, and I think in in Armageddon, the the goal in Deep Impact, their goal is to minimize the damage in Armageddon. Yeah. The goal is like to avoid the goal the is damage, to split is to split the asteroid in two and then each mini asteroid will yeah. also be propelled Oh, further, far enough away that they will go around the Earth and miss it completely. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense to me. Makes perfect sense. About science. But yeah, and Deep deep Impact is, they're like, all right, it's going to be awful no matter what, but there's a way that, that it could be not, a, not an extinction event. Right. And I think also with Deep Impact is they didn't, they weren't necessarily going after a and they weren't going after an exciting action movie they were going after no. the deep impact of what it would do to you if you were the, in such an experience that the deep you know, emotional impact exactly and uh yeah i mean it's kind of there are certain things where it's like unfair comparisons between the two because they are going for different things and i yeah. feel like that needs to be factored in and a lot of the things that i've read really don't factor that in and you have to give deep impact i mean deep impact it's got like a a, a little bit of a higher rotten tomatoes score from the critics but armageddon the audience rotten tomatoes score blows deep impact away oh well i mean seeing that in the theater especially when it first came out it you know it was spectacular and you cheered and you yeah it's and I, it's kind of like, I know Michael Bay has kind of like shit talked it a little bit, but I feel like it's kind of, it's, it's like the best of what Michael Bay could do. Well, not only did Michael Bay shit talk it a little bit, but famously Ben Affleck shit talked it on the Criterion DVD commentary. I asked Michael why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers and he told me to shut 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 the fuck up so that, that was the end of that talk he's like you know ben just shut up okay you know this is a real plan all right i was like you mean it's a real plan at nasa to train oil drillers he was like just shut your mouth <laughs> see here's where we demonstrate that because bruce is going to tell the guys that they did a bad job of building the drill tank he did a piss. See, he's a salt of the earth guy, and the NASA nerdonauts don't uh, don't understand uh, his salt of the earth ways, his rough and tumble ways. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's because your cans are like somehow they can build rocket ships, but they don't understand like what makes a good tranny. <laughs> All right, I could let that keep on going for a while. There's like another minute of it, but it's just it's so funny, and and it makes me really appreciate. Ben Affleck, and I feel like right now in this moment, uh, he's not very well appreciated. Uh, how he's much kind shit of, do you think? How much shit do you think Ben Affleck took from all of his indie? Because like prior to this, Ben Affleck was in like Goodwill yeah. Hunting. I mm-hmm. mean, like what Mallrats and Dazed and Confused. Were, sure, <laughs> like you know the the studio movies he was in. Yeah, and I mean. Yes. Oh, school and school ties. Sorry. And school ties, of course. Oh, uh, but you know, yeah, at this point, he ties. is Oscar winner in this, and he's in this huge movie. And I gotta say, like, I really enjoy him in this. He is 
I feel like this era is when Ben Affleck is like just at his most fun. Even in a movie like Goodwill Hunting, which I watched the other night, he's just so good. And I feel like, you know, lately, and especially with the Batman stuff, it's like he's kind of lost a lot of the fun. Uh, you know, a lot of the, I don't know, the joy. You can tell that he's enjoying acting, even in a movie like this. And I'm going to go ahead and play another famous clip from this movie. Don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I'd miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss a You know what I was thinking? What? <laughs> I, I really don't think that the animal cracker qualifies as a cracker. Why? Well, because it's sweet, which to me suggests cookie, and, you know, maybe putting cheese on something is sort of the defining characteristic of what makes a cracker a cracker. I don't know why I thought of that. I just... Baby, you have such sweet pillow top. I got, like, a little animal cracker Discovery Channel thing happening right here. <laughs> Watch the gazelle as he grazes through the open plains. <laughs> now look, as the cheetah approaches, Watch. He stalks his prey. Now the gazelle's a little spooked. And he could head north to the ample sustenance provided <laughs> by the mountainous peaks above. <laughs> he could go south. The gazelle now faces man's most perilous question. North or south? Way down under. Tune in next week. <laughs> Baby, do you think it's possible that anyone else in the world is doing this very same thing at this very same moment? I hope so. Otherwise, what the hell are we trying to save? I actually kind of like that scene as ridiculous. I've always thought of that as just like the most asinine, stupid scene. But like it, it, <laughs> it works. And it's just like, you know what? This does this movie does have those like weird hidden emotional moments where it's like, you know, they there is a reason why they're doing this. I mean, yes, of course, we know that AJ and and Grace are going to be getting married and he has to come home for that. But like, you know, I hope that people are doing stupid things that are completely ridiculous because like you said, what else, what else are we doing this for? And it's such a hallmark, I think of nineties movies, especially mid to late nineties where these characters are having, bringing the mundane conversations that we have, you know, that that people have when they don't when they're bored or they don't know what else to talk about and talking about how an animal cracker isn't really a, a cracker. Yeah. And it's the type of thing that I don't think you really saw in screenwriting until the 90s. And I would say, uh, you know, Kevin Smith. Uh, sure. And, you know, Definitely Kevin Smith, I would say, popularized that Quentin Tarantino as well. And. Yeah, I you know, uh Richard Linklater, I'd say yeah. also, you know, people oh, yeah, well, yes, I mean, yes. Richard Linklater's movies are essentially yeah. entirely consisting of that. All <laughs> mundane conversations that people <laughs> but, are just having. Yeah, no, it's definitely a big thing of the 90s and it's, you know, some of those little elements like you said, you know, it's kind of like the yeah, bringing in inspiration from indie movies where it's like 
and you have to wonder exactly how much of the is an animal cracker a cracker that was like scripted or you know ben affleck as a writer incorporating something that's like let's make this movie feel like maybe a little real uh and by the way sorry i didn't acknowledge earlier that like Liv tyler's indie credibility at that point and i think particularly of a movie called heavy hmm. where um she is the love interest of uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince, who plays he's a heavier guy. And I, I it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I remember it was really nice. It was kind of reminiscent of like a Marty. OK, you know, like Ernest Borgnine. Um, right. But yeah. So um, and also inventing the Abbots, I think, was another right. Mm-hmm. another one of her big big ones and of course empire records <laughs> oh of course i i also do want to shout out Liv tyler's performance in the series the leftovers which was i uh, you know very much driven by mimi letter who directed deep impact absolutely and who yeah she was uh chosen by steven spielberg who was originally going to direct deep impact yeah and yeah well he, i think she, that she, she directed was... Yeah, oh, she peace, was peacemaker. She was a peacemaker. She was, I think, like the first female graduate of like the AFI or something like that. And you know, it's like she was definitely she made a a deep impact very early on. And uh, I forget what it was that she says put her into director jail. I kind of want to look that up right now, but I remember something about her being in director jail. Oh, pay it forward. Oh yeah, pay it forward. Yeah, yeah. But, but she, she recently directed... did on the basis of sex, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's a Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah. bio for anyone who's not uh, familiar with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen the whole thing. I, I saw part of it and good. was impressed. But I thought, you know, um, well made. But yeah, she had done DreamWorks first theatrical release, Peacemaker, with George right. Clooney and Nicole Kidman. Um, and yeah, so I guess getting back to uh, to Deep Impact here. Yeah. So we've kind of got got the sense of Armageddon, and and yeah, agreed. It's uh, it's it does what it's going for. It's going to out Independence Day, Independence Day, which it totally, which it does, and yeah, it, it, as much as as much as a movie can, it certainly does. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. And it I guess it does it. it you've got the, that romantic subplot going on, um, which, uh, you know, one thing I didn't uh, you know mention in the synopsis was when Bruce Willis first finds out that he's sleeping with her is when he starts firing his rifle oh, the shotgun yeah. all over the uh, oil rig, which is nuts. And it lows and Armageddon is very much everything is it's it's high stakes. Uh, That animal crackers scene is one of those, you know, few moments where we really calm down. We've got the, the some comic relief moments in between. Deep Impact indeed also holds a steady tone, though. Yeah, I mean, so I think it actually starts with. Elijah Wood and Lee and Lily Sobieski and they're like astronomy club or whatever it is looking up at the stars and Leo identifies something that is not a star. And there's actually this whole thing where like they, 
you know, inform this like astrophysicist or whatever, like other astronomer about it. And he looks it up and he gets all spooked and he can't email it to the people because the server is down. And then he like puts it on a floppy and is trying to like send it somewhere and he drives and he gets into a car accident and dies. And it's like, did we really need that? I think this movie would have existed totally fine without that. Uh, and what's also interesting is, is the difference between the two movies. The time frame for Deep Impact is like in 18 months, <laughs> this is going to happen. And then in uh, in an Armageddon, it's like in 18 days, this is going to happen. So, oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's why everything is always like, ah, oh, 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 we have yeah. to do that in the music. And whereas Deep Impact, it's, you know, we've got time for a long Vanessa Redgrave monologue here. At this moment right now. Thank you. The pretty little girls are walking down the aisle, spreading flowers. The twins, the parents, what are their Susanna. names? They're yeah. walking down the aisles and they're dropping rose petals and everyone's smiling she's at really them. And now she's walking down the aisle. Yes, okay. and she stands beside him and the priest says, judge. Dearly beloved. Judge. And the judge says, Blah, 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 sickness and health, blah, 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 blah. Do you, Jason Lerner, take um, chlorine? <laughs> what? Chloe. What did I say? <laughs> you said chlorine. Her name's Chloe. Oh. Well, it's still a terrible name. (laughs) Jason says, lie, 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 till death do his part, blah, blah, blah. And she says yes, and he says yes, and it's kissy, 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 and congratulations. (sighs) Jenny, you now have a new stepmother who is two years older than you. Well, anyway, as much as I would like to stay here and get silly with you, Mom, I can't. I gotta go. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry about this. We'll get over it. I love you. I love you, too. I don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> don't want to fall asleep. Uh, I hate that song. <laughs> Vanessa Redgrave is so good. Like she she's stands great. out in this movie because oh, she, she has nothing so... to do with like she has her own storyline going on. Yeah, she there's definitely some highlights of this movie in in the performances Vanessa Redgrave um uh Morgan Freeman Well, Morgan Freeman does of the Morgan Freeman thing. Of course, yeah. James Cromwell does the James Cromwell thing sure for does. one scene. Yeah, yeah. Not enough James Cromwell for my liking. No. Um, no. And then we do have the the cameo from a young Jason Doring, who people would remember from Veronica Mars. Uh, and I'm just gonna play that clip really quick. As far as we know, what happened was that Doctor Wolf saw the comet in my photograph. So he shared the discovery with me. And then he was killed in that crash, and everything got mixed up in Washington, so the president thought I was dead, too. How does it feel having your name on it? I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to take something away from Dr. Wolf, because I'm not. But it's kind of cool. Jason. You know, 
You're gonna have sex a lot more now than anyone else in our class. Really? Thank you for your sexual insight, Mr. Thurman. You can sit down now. Famous people always get sex, Mr. Perry. That's the main reason it's good to be famous. He's so good. And he like yeah. delivers it perfectly. He does like a little bow. It's wonderful. Well, I read I read that he improvised that line. Which is interesting because it's like, who is this kid, this no-name kid that they're gonna let improvise a line? I don't know how they did maybe that's maybe they were just like, hey, let's get some ideas for different things you'd say to him. And I don't know, maybe this kid's like, hey, this is my shot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna take it. He kills it. It's such a great, it's such a great moment. And then Elijah Wood being like, really? Yes. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, it's interesting. I was, I, I found it interesting watching it now and I, and I'm pretty sure I felt the same way watching it in 1998, but I'm like, doesn't it feel kind of shitty that the asteroid that is coming to hit earth and cause the extinction of humanity has your name on it? Right. Yeah. That's something we didn't mention the, it's it's named the Biederman Wolf. Oh yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Just because of uh, yeah, the president thought that it, he was one of the ones who died in the car crash and whatever. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's I would at least acknowledge that, and I'd be like, well, I'm like, I'm really like, it's I'm glad that I discovered it and that I helped make this discovery of this thing that is coming to to destroy earth on the other hand i would rather that the thing coming to destroy earth wasn't named after me yeah so yeah he's uh, like there's that on the cover of some scientific magazine or i maybe it was even like time like i don't remember he's on the cover of a magazine yeah and uh i don't know it's so weird it's like man they must have rushed that one to the press because this feels like it happened like the next day well, no, as you said, in Deep Impact, it's all, you know, stretched out. It was. Yeah, but it's like they, they, they don't find it. The president gives his address and we find out about it. And then it's like the next day they have the school assembly like it feel. It oh, would no, feel, no, no, no. That's that's that that's two months later in the director's yeah. cut. They have the whole two months of the press tour and Biederman writes a book and everything. No. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, no. the director's As cut. far as I know, th- there is no director's cut of Deep Impact. I mean, who knows? It it could be out there. I think it's interesting. So like you said, these are two presidential administrations in these movies mm-hmm. that do something. But the response and the way that the presidents are played and and of, the, the president in uh, Armageddon was also the president in in The, the Rock. Rock. Yeah. And he's very like Stanley you know, Anderson. Stanley Anderson, thank you. Uh, and, you know, he's he's very affirmative, but he's very, what do you mean anomaly? Tell me what we're going to do. He's like, he's assertive. He's a leader. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. This is the anomaly at 1643. Here is the anomaly at 1658. And here is the anomaly at 1700. Enough with this anomaly horseshit. What is this thing? It's an asteroid, sir. How big are we talking? Sir, our best estimate is 97.6 billion. It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. Yes, sir. Dan, we didn't see this thing coming. 
Well, our object collision budget's a million dollars. That allows us to track about 3% of the sky. And begging your pardon, sir, but it's a big-ass sky. I love that line. <laughs> the thing is, but also it's like, he doesn't even have a name. He's just the president. I tried to find any type of, like, thing where the president addresses the nation, and there, there's oh. nothing. Towards the end, he makes that, the televised speech. Oh, and yeah, but it's the very end. Yeah, he it's doesn't weird. do like like Morgan Freeman gets right out in front of it and he explains it. He's Morgan Freeman is like a really good middle school science teacher. The president will begin by addressing the nation. Please hold your questions until he's finished his remarks. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. Hello, everybody. Ten seconds, Mr. President. Five, four. Good evening. A few minutes ago, the United States ambassadors to every country in the world told the leaders of those nations what I am about to tell you. It's a bit complicated, so it will take some time, so I hope you will bear with me, hear what I have to say. A little over a year ago, two American astronomers, Marcus Wolf and Leo Biedemann, working on a mountaintop in Arizona, Nobody saying anything. Nice sky that caused them great concern. Comet. But the comet was. Well, there was a remote possibility that the comet was on a path that could bring it into direct contact with the Earth. Now we get hit all the time by rocks and meteors. Some of them the size of cars. Some no bigger than your hand. But the comet we discovered is the size of New York City, from the north side of Central Park to the Battery, about seven miles long. Put another way, this comet is larger than Mount Everest. It weighs 500 billion tons. Chances are. I'll just I'll just end it there. There's yeah. another like yeah. two minutes to it. Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the speech when he when he goes through the whole like he runs down basically like what's going to happen when the comet hits the planet. Yeah, he he goes through it there. Um But yeah, he's just calm and methodical and honest and he's it's the president delivering the science whereas in Armageddon yeah. We have the art. We have the scientists who deliver the science, and the president gets to give the the orders. Right. And though he does, he, he like he does make this unifying speech uh, towards towards the end, just kind of saying like, "Hey, ever you know, just all right, we're all we're all in it together." Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the realistic approach. It, or I guess, well, I don't know. I don't, maybe not our reality, but well, give it a couple weeks. <laughs> um, so it, I'm seeing this asteroid coming to the Earth. Come on, man! What's that? <laughs> There's an asteroid coming to Earth. Come on, man! It's my Joe Biden. Come on, man! Oh, that was oh Joe Biden. <laughs> We're going to knock this malarkey right out of the yeah. sky. I don't know. Um, whereas, you know, um, S- corn pop after you. Yeah. Whereas uh, Trump would just say it was a it was a hoax and it was it's Antifa. And right. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, 
you know, hey, if, if everyone, all Second Amendment people stand together in this one place where it's going to hit and aim your guns and fire at the same time, you can stop it. I'll tell you what he would call it, though. Max, I need some more power on here. All right, bus. Throw it forth and drop the hammer. Let's drill through this. Come on, boys, we got a hop. We're falling behind. Dig, dig, dig. Chew this iron bitch up. The iron bitch. Chew this iron bitch up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the language in uh, the language towards the the asteroid in Armageddon is definitely more aggressive than the language the astronauts use towards the comet in Deep Impact. Right. Absolutely. They they speak I, to it like they respect it. Yeah. Um. You know, they they don't. It, it's a pretty. It's still a pretty intense scene. Yeah. The script does have some strengths. It has some solid lines. Which one are you talking about now? Deep Impact? Deep Impact. In mm-hmm. Deep Impact. Um Mary McCormack when when they when the team all decides that they're gonna sacrifice themselves to save the planet. Um Mary McCormack's got a great line. Okay, if we can get the remaining bombs in that vent, there shouldn't be anything left of that comet bigger than a suitcase. Now, we can't do anything about the little one, but, you know, it just might give them a chance. Now, without the Army codes, we're going to have to wait to set the bomb timers until we get closer to Earth to raise Houston. We may not have enough life support left to get back into the cargo bay for the nukes, much less to work down on the comet. We sure as hell don't have enough propellant left in the Messiah to, uh, to maneuver with. How are we supposed to get back off the surface once we've, uh, once we've gone down there? We don't. Hey, look at the bright side. We'll all have high schools named after us. Great line. And it's it's kind of what do you say after that? And yeah, you know, it was also interesting is like they're just kind of floating around in space at this point. They're just not, they're just hanging out. I mean, they lost a person. They know that the earth is about to essentially be destroyed. And, you know, it is an extinction level event after all. And um, it's kind of like, it's weird to me that they, it took them so long to try to find a way to get a, you know, even to sacrifice themselves to like get a bomb deep enough into the comet meteor asteroid whatever and they certainly do it at the last possible moment yeah it's it's drawn out deep impact yeah. is 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 drawn because, out because what's the alternative to sacrificing yourself dying on a you know in uninhabitable earth <laughs> or just floating well, in space until you die well and also coming back to earth and then having to face the people saying, like, you know, what, you didn't do everything you do? Oh, I guess we could have just blown it up there because we were going to die anyway. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, at, at least, like, yeah, with Armageddon, it's like a lot, all the, deci- most of the decisions are really being made, like, in the heat of the moment. Right. And they're just kind of trying, like, oh, what do we do now? And it, and it's just happened. It's like really just fortunate that, you know, three people happened to survive. Uh, yeah. 
the independence being smashed by uh right. com- by asteroid debris yeah and that they show up at exactly the right time and, and it's fun to see them on the asteroid and like on the armadillos driving around on it and like launching themselves evil Knievel style, you know, and, uh, it's Buscemi exciting going, he, he's got space dementia. Oh yeah. Rockhound going yeah. absolutely insane. Well, and just the amount of, cause it, I feel like we'd be remiss without discussing the very masculine energy of Armageddon. Oh, where of course I, I mean, we literally have, you know, Bishemi is sitting on top of the, um, was it on top of the drill or the, on top of the the missile? He's on top of the, yeah, he's on top of the bomb. Yeah, he's on top of the bomb, right? And he's he's doing slim pickings from uh, Doctor Strangelove riding the riding the bomb, and and it's there's a lot of these references to, you know, just these phallic references, of course. Uh, and just drilling, let's chew this bitch up. And there's, let's chew this bitch up. Uh, then, of course, we have like, is it one of the very first scenes? Oh! Oh! Your Stouffer's pot pie's been on the table almost 10 hours. I want a divorce. Daddy, I'm on to something big here. I, I don't know what this is, but it looks like something's burning up there. Go get my phone book. Will you get my phone book? Get those names of those guys from NASA. Excuse me, am I wearing a sign that says, Carl Slave? Go get my goddamn phone book! Get the book! Get the book! Get the book! Right, so the way that he treats his wife and uh, requests for them to name the asteroid Dottie, because I've, I don't have the clipboard or anything, but what does he say? It's like the life-destroying... She's a life-sucking yeah. bitch. Yeah. Life-destroying bitch bitch uh yeah something something bitch uh yeah and i mean just you kind of add the energy of that michael bay jerry bruckheimer the opening is narrated by charlton heston charlton heston yes the world is going to be blown apart (laughs) um and um oh man talk about something else that didn't age well um, as New York is being hit by the oh, meteors, yeah. Mark Curry, comedian Mark right. Curry, mm-hmm. um, uh, makes some jokes that don't age well. Why are we not going? Well, you know why? Because this is New York City. Anything could have happened. Listen to that. Uh, let me see. It could have been a terrorist bomb, a dead body, somebody shot, stabbed. And it's Friday payday, too. Somebody probably jumped and get that paycheck. Yes. I want to go shopping. Me, too. <laughs> But we ain't going nowhere because this is a Catholic jam. There's also, yeah, in both of the movies, the well, so in Deep Impact, you just see the Twin Towers getting knocked over by the tidal wave, right? Uh, Yeah. And then in think, Armageddon, yeah. you see one of them with like a, you know, smoke coming out of it. It's been hit by asteroid debris. Yeah, and I want to say, is it in? Uh, I think it actually might be in in Deep Impact. Deep Impact, you see the uh, you see the Statue of Liberty getting annihilated. Yeah, uh, there's one. There's one shot in. Oh yeah, it's in in Deep Impact towards the end, and it's um, 
when the wave hits the twin towers and people are running oh yeah yeah, yeah. out the street mm-hmm. and it look it just it i saw it's that chilling. It, well yeah i mean yeah. it looks just like the footage from 9-11 um neat you know of course and um you know it's it's why watching a movie like this uh it was kind of you know hard to do especially yeah. after witnessing uh you know witnessing that Right. I mean, this is 1998. If this was to be made a few years later, it'd be completely different. Maybe L.A. would have been maybe it'd be the West Coast that would have been hit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much what happened. Um, yeah. One thing that I do want to give Armageddon even more credit for is just like the little lines that they kind of sneak in that make it so much fun and i yes obviously sending oil drillers out into space makes no sense but when you do that you get the awe of the everyman who's going in who shouldn't be going into space going into space and you get awesome lines like this from owen wilson just in the beginning part of space we, we haven't even gotten to outer space yet for roger houston we have a vision. i just love it uh and it's it's kind of like i feel like that's exactly what i would think it's just like wait is this outer space we is this still just regular space i, I love it it's so good well we know that inner space is actually inside inner, the body oh so. of course it's inside yeah. of uh dennis quaid so dennis quaid yeah, yeah. specifically um so, yeah, and I feel like the Owen Wilson, like I wrote down, um, <laughs> this was before the Owen Wilson thing got old. And wow. I love, wow. yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. wow. Or that, that scene where I think it's before they launch and he's talking about how he's feeling and he's just going on. He's like, yeah, no, I've got these really great emotions and I'm feeling yeah. really strong right now, but like anything could happen. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great. It was when you charming. Have, it's great when you have people like Owen Wilson and Steve Buscemi who like, you know, they doing a movie like this. I mean, Owen Wilson at this point in his career, it's like, this is a huge move. Steve Buscemi, I believe was quoted saying that he did this movie because he wanted a bigger house, but it's like, yeah. you have people with like, you know, real intelligent writing sensibilities and performing sensibilities and, you know, just kind of like inserting their fingerprints on it in any way that they can. And uh, you got to really appreciate that. Well, and speaking of of the of the writing, I mean, Armageddon had a lot of uh, a lot of writers pitch in, but like J.J. Abrams. Right. J.J. Abrams, um, I think, played a very significant role in the in the writing yeah absolutely and um i'm trying to i'm trying to remember who else pitched in on the writing but i want to say both uh but did robert town work on one of these i feel like robert town screenwriter yeah. of uh Chi- chinatown i mean deep well deep impact was written co-written by bruce joel rubin who wrote ghost um, Michael Tolkien, who I believe wrote the player, um, did he also mm. write Bugsy? No, he wrote, definitely wrote the player. Gleaming the, the Rapture, Cube, the Rapture, uh, Deep the, Cover. The remake of, uh, D- the Dawn of the Dead, the Zack Snyder, Dawn of the Dead, mm. uh. Changing Lanes really with, good. uh, mm-hmm. 
with Ben A. And then uh, mo- most recently, es- Escape at Danamora, which I've talked about before. Really enjoyed right. for for television. Yeah. yeah. So, Dan, uh, before we move on, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about specifically about these two movies? Well, I'll say that seeing, I mean, I, I had watched Armageddon a few times over the years, uh, not very recently and until uh, watching it in preparation uh, for this episode. I would say that Deep Impact, I I enjoyed it more now. I think the combination of not going to the movie theater and expecting like, you know, Armageddon. more of a, well, I wasn't expecting, I was, I was expecting like halfway between deep impact and Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that going back and watching deep impact again, watching it at home, uh, watching it with the perspective of being, uh, you know, much older, being a parent um, and, and having that perspective on it, it really, I enjoyed rewatching Deep Impact more than I expected to. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed rewatching Armageddon. I mean, you know, it, in in watching it in 2021 versus watching it in 1998, you notice a lot more. I could write a thesis on the, you know, of the testosterone. Uh, oh yeah, in in Armageddon. And, you know, some of the a lot of some of the dialogue certainly was was eye rolling, but, um, you know, there are real moments. And like I remember in the theater tearing up during the farewell um, between um, Grace and and Harry, which I don't know uh, if if you if you've got that one. The 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 farewell before he goes up into space. No, no, no. Before he blows Before himself he, up yeah, with no, the I don't asteroid. Have that one. Or, yeah. So, but that, I remember, I remember get, uh, feeling emotional in the theater. And I remember Sweet watching, emotion. And, watch, <laughs> watching it again. Um, Sweet emotion. Th- now I'm going to twist you. <laughs> this is some of that dialogue that I might cite in my thesis. <laughs> He's basically talking about he's threatening date rape. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> I was yeah. Here I was talking about like that, yes, sweet emotion. Liv Tyler and Bruce Willis really giving it their all. And the casting in I thought Armageddon. Liv Tyler was great. Oh. Oh, how could we not mention that in this movie, Armageddon, starring Bruce Willis, there is a character named Gruber. Right, that's true. Yeah, Grayson McCouch plays Gruber. He's uh, part of the crew. He doesn't make it. But I'm like, oh, that's crazy. And uh, shout out to Judith Hoag, or Hoag, who plays uh, Will Will Patton's ex-wife, April O'Neil. Of the oh. original 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Is live that? action. I did the not goat. realize that. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, April O'Neil. So, um, and I have to say that watching these movies recently in, in these days, this was, you know, pre uh, the siege of the Capitol. But oh, every movie um, was pre the siege of the Capitol. 
I, I, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. But watching it now and, and seeing it, it was, it was so, it was kind of sad to think that like, man, is that really what we need to happen to, to just kind of end the bullshit and and then I sadly sadly thinking you know thinking to myself no this would it would continue this you know sadly I don't think you know people would come together even in the face of, of come together that's also in this movie right now oh uh, I don't have a is it from Aeros- that. is it Aerosmith it's, doing I come think together well of course it's the Aerosmith version. Of of course, oh. I'm not an Aerosmith fan. I do like the, some of the uh, '70s. I was a fan of theirs in the in the, in the '90s. You had an Aerosmith phase. Oh, def- definitely. I come back yeah. to them every now and then. They're ridiculous, but I don't yeah. come back no, no. to like don't want to miss a thing. But you know the stuff before that, pretty solid. Post, I would say Janie's got a gun. That was kind of that's that's the cap for me. Okay, all right. With get Aerosmith, a grip! Was, like get that. a grip is a pretty solid album. Just saying. Eh, <laughs> I, I like living on the edge. Living on the edge is cool. I, I not. I can't do the end of the. Uh, the so ah! there's a there's Stephen a couple Tyler. of things. Well, there's there's one thing that I specifically want to mention about a uh, a second coming of Armageddon, and that is the reference in an episode of Arrested Development when maybe becomes an executive at a movie studio and has a bunch of scripts in the attic. And I want to say, I don't remember if it's Jeffrey Tambor is up there or whoever's up there uh, writing notes on the scripts, but he's going through the scripts and he sees one that says Armageddon Two Armageddon. And he goes, that's a good title, (laughs) but it's just so (laughs) funny that Armageddon Two would be called Armageddon Two colon Armageddon. Armageddon. <laughs> it's one Deep of the impact to deeper impact. Yeah. It's just one of those um, lo- tiny little jokes that they just like sneak in there that just like, s- that's just like stuck in my memory forever. Oh, that's a good one. I- I'll have to go back and check that out. I'm overdue for an Arrested Development revisit. <laughs> yeah. 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 The only, the only other thing I wanted to mention is that, you know, meteors, asteroids, whatever, coming towards Earth and destroying everything, it's certainly well-worn territory. Um, I think in 79 or so, there was the movie Meteor, um, which I wasn't able to track down. I really wanted to watch that one. There have been a lot of like, uh, I mean, saying straight to video or straight to VOD now is uh, doesn't have the same impact, but you get what I mean when I say it. (laughs) Non-theatrical. But you get what I mean when I say it, and there's plenty of those. But one of them that came out a few years ago that um, actually it was 2012 that came to mind. And I really liked the way that they they showed a different perspective of these movies was Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Did you watch that movie, Dan? Yes. Yeah, so I did see Seeking that. a Friend for the End of the World. It's with uh, Steve Carell, Keira Knightley's in it. You've got Rob Corddry and Patton Oswalt and Connie Britton. And it is... Super bizarre. T.J. Miller. Uh, I don't know. There's just so many people in it that are really, really funny. And it's about this guy whose wife leaves him when the they announce on the radio that the space shuttle that was sent up to destroy this asteroid has been destroyed and there's no hope left. And there's like two weeks until this thing destroys the Earth. And um, it's essentially him trying to 
I don't know, find happiness and uh, not die alone, essentially. And he meets his neighbor, Keira Knightley. But uh, I wanted to play one clip from it. And this is the exact kind of thing that I would want from a a movie that, that's showing this other side of it is the scene where there's like this, it's, they're calling it the last supper. It's like their end of the world party. And uh, this is a scene between um, Steve Carell and Patton Oswalt. This is his only scene. And he's just like, everybody's just like given up. Uh, Rob Corddry is uh, giving like his, like this little girl a martini and she's like drinking it. And he's like, yep, fight through the burn, fight through the burn. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. So I'm just going to play a little clip from that right now. I'm going to miss you. Oh boy. Fucking wild west, you know, isn't it? Come on. Single guys like us. I mean, we got to grab this thing, you know, cause it's, it's a different world now. Mm. It's a different world. Okay. We got to no, I don't. I don't. I you don't. don't. Dude, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. And it's raining. Pussy. Boo, 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 boo. It's raining. Pussy. Dude, ever since Deliverance, man, I've been with a different girl every day. And they don't care about getting pregnant. They don't care about diseases or, or are you going to call them back or can you provide for them or do you have a small dick or are you related all right and it's like the apocalypse the apocalypse has leveled the field man oh my god do you want to double stuff that cookie do you want to double stuff that cookie with me Two chefs in the kitchen. We're double stuffing a cookie dodging rope. You guys look! Sarah and Dave brought heroin. Bucket list. Bucket list. Wait, where's Lacey? Let Lacey do it. She's a dental assistant. I'll do it. Yeah, you do it, Lacey. Here we go. Don't grab her. Let's watch her. Let's everyone watch her do it. Put some radio head on. I want to do heroin to radio head. <laughs> that, by the way, is exactly what Ben Affleck is talking about when he says, what are we saving? Yeah. If people are not doing this. <laughs> oh, exactly. Uh, if people are not doing heroin to Radiohead. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, he's t- when he says double stuffing the cookie, he's referring to them both having sex with Melanie Linsky's character. <laughs> Oh man. That's a that's a really good movie. Um and yeah, I I don't know like I I was thinking about the movie Melancholia which I mm. I, I have not brought myself to watch same, yet. Same, same. But it it sounds brilliant and and frightening and a, a kind of plausible uh, um you know like what would happen if I guess was it like another planet is going to crash into our planet or right. something? Right, I think it's something like that. But I mean, it's kind of like Lars von Trier doing some like doing the the apocalypse. I'm like, I need to be I, like, I I need to wait a few years for mm-hmm. for that. A few more years, I guess, because yeah. it's been like ten. I think it came out like ten years ago. So, yeah, so I guess what, uh, and it's hard, like you said, it's it's pretty well-trodden ground here with the disaster flicks, and we've had so many since then, um, you know, 2012, which was, sure, um, you know, the Roland Emmerich um, 
trying to out Roland Emmerich himself. Right. And you know what? As we talked about before, I love Roland Emmerich. I, I think as a person, I want to hang with that guy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And 20, 2012 has some great performances. Um, you know, John Cusack, Woody Harrelson. Right. Um, and so I guess in thinking about like, well, what are you going to do with this? And, you know, especially right now as we're in early 2021 and I haven't checked Twitter in the last couple of hours. So who knows what is going on outside <laughs> this house? But I, I, I think so on the one hand, it's like, well, yeah, um, maybe we really don't need to revisit this. But on the other hand, thinking about what unites us and what can unite us and thinking about that on the large scale, but also thinking about it on that smaller scale of like, you know, uh, getting getting a little, you know, sexy with animal crackers. <laughs> that's not, you know, a blue state, red state thing. That's not yeah. an American um, thing that, that you know, you can have those moments. And that is also what unites us, not just the the sense of, oh, well, we're all going to die anyway. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that there is room for it. We also don't have the traditional... I mean, right now we don't have movie. We really don't have anything. We don't have movie theaters. Um, but even when we do, we we have a much less traditional way of of getting that content, right? Um, and consuming that content. So I feel like thinking outside that box and thinking about well, what where else could you do this? And it's funny because I think. I go back to like radio drama and something like a war of the worlds. Uh -huh. And I think about a serial podcast, mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a dramatic, a dramatized podcast. Sure. I'm not suggesting you and I do this, but you know, kind of going through telling that story and something like that, that would allow to, you know, that you could tell these simultaneous stories and you know maybe this week's episode is talking about what's going on um you know at nasa whereas next week episode is talking about you know what's happening with this family in arkansas yeah who's um you know they're they're you know maybe they're about to lose their home and then and this is happening as well and right you know you get the steve carell who's just looking for someone to to you know, be with at the end of the world. So I think having um, a type of series, whether it's an anthology series where, where you might have several seasons telling different stories that are all centered around the same event. So it wouldn't necessarily be, you know, like, like something like American horror story or Fargo mm -hmm. where it's different time periods, but maybe where it's, you know, this little, you know, mini season, this, you know, eight to 12 episodes is focusing on NASA's response, whereas this next eight to 12 episodes is focusing on, you know, families and, you know, this eight to 10 episodes is, you know, focusing sure. on the, the military, so on and so forth. So I think that's that's where I would see it either as like, you know, in podcast form, an anthology series, uh, streaming. I, I just feel like in terms of, 
of making a big screen movie, what are you going to do? You've got Armageddon, you've got Deep Impact, you've got all of these other movies already out there. So how do you take, I, I guess it's how do you take the best of those and what means the most from all of those and channel them into one product? Yeah, and it sounds like what you're talking about could potentially last almost as long as the time between when they find out about the comet in Deep Impact to when it actually is supposed to reach Earth. Longer. <laughs> Longer. Beyond beyond that. They could still be making episodes in the in the bunker. Yeah. Well, and that leads me leads us to what I wanted to talk about. What my idea was, which would be specifically a sequel to Deep Impact, a movie that's in the Deep impact averse, because, you know, this one hit and completely obliterated the East Coast, and they were spared from this one that would just destroy absolutely everything, but still, all of the East Coast is completely gone. And, uh, you know, we do have all these people that did go in the bunker. We have people like Elijah Wood, who has nothing but Lily Sobieski and her little baby sibling and a watch to try to trade with somebody for some huggies. Hey, and he's he's got uh what he's got his father-in-law's little uh, moped too. His, yeah, his no, little motorbike. They ditched, they ditched, they ditched the, the, the chopper. Right, which yeah. is uh, there's there's so many things that I would nitpick about that but whatever. But I you know, I would like to see a, you know, 30ish years later type of situation 20 something years later with, you know, I, I believe Lily Sobieski is no longer acting. I think she's an, an artist now, but you know, um, have Elijah Wood and somebody else and their grown uh, kind of adopted child slash Lily Sobieski's sibling. Um, you know, and just kind of like how things are in a country that, you know, a, third of it is completely destroyed um, or at least unrecognizable. And, uh, you know, Ohio has a coastline that's, you know, the an ocean. So I don't know. Um, I think that it would be really interesting to see something like that. And, you know, bring back Mimi Letter to, to direct it. Or, you know, it could be somebody else. But like seeing the work that she's done with like The Leftovers, it's like, that takes place in like a really dark and eerie version of the world where this mysterious thing has happened and there have been these like factions of people that have sprung up because of it and uh, watch The Leftovers if you haven't. It's phenomenal and Justin Thoreau is great and I think should also be in the Deep Impact uh, sequel. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that there's a better story to be told about this and there are a lot of, of course, post-apocalyptic movies, but I think setting it in a universe that we already, we see what has happened, we we are familiar with what has happened, it might not be the, like, Mad Max version that, you know, we're used to, or even the Waterworld version that we're used to, but uh, no, I think it could be interesting. Uh I'm interested though. Would you? Would there be an element of that because they're they're in the bunker for what, like two years? Right. So there's the bunker that they're in for two years, but there's also the people that are living on the surface, and it's hard to say. Like, okay, so did they need to be in the bunker, or 
Apparently, like, you just find a, a a hill that's that's tall enough. Right. This is not like okay. That was bullshit. It was barely a big hill. Like that was a bullshit. He cop went out. up it on a motorbike. Like it is crazy, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, I'd be interested to see like, okay, well, what happens even to pick it up two years later when, uh, the the people come out of the, the bunker, like, are there people on the outside who've been like, uh, we've had to figure out how to get by while you've been in the bunker with all the supplies. So we're not just ready to like, we have created. Yeah. So not to say it would be Mad Max. But yeah, it's but... like, what are, there are these two civilizations competing to become the dominant. And it's like, what happens there? That's interesting. I like that because it's not that like, a really interesting it's idea, not like there's yeah. no government just because Morgan Freeman's in the bunker. They have to figure something out. They Joe. they form their own government or they form they like, you know, tribes based on geography. If you think about how else that the the hit the comet would have um affected yeah. You know, the rest, like you said, Ohio has a coastline. Well, what else is that like do, do we is Louisiana still there? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um because sea levels all over the place, I'm sure, are totally whack. So Yeah. Is yeah. Florida just existing as an underwater colony because Floridians? <laughs> they have gills. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know, man. I got these gills. I don't know what happened, but I'm underwater and I can breathe. So uh, I think we've got some pretty solid ideas in the <laughs> hopper here. Um, if you have ideas for us about these movies or any others that we've talked about or maybe we'll talk about, you can email us, ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. And speaking of of hearing from you about movies that we will talk about, oh. uh, we we are approaching episode one hundred, and we we posted on our Instagram. Uh, was it on Instagram or on, yeah, Instagram? We put forth a ch- a choice between four movies, and we're asking for your votes between um, 1993's political romantic comedy Dave, mm-hmm. 1985's teen classic teen comedy better off dead 1986's cult action classic big trouble in little china or the 1989 musical comedy romance that really defies classification earth girls are easy did you have the years written down for those or was that off the dome Totally off the dome. Oh my goodness, I love it. I even, spur of the moment, was like filmed in 1987, but not released until 1989. Earth Girls Are Easy, but... There you go. Um, yeah, I'm excited about any of those, but please weigh in. We'd love to hear what you think. Um, let us know. Email us, ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter, and we'll repost those those options as well, we want to hear. Um, we want to hear what you want to hear. And Us talk about. Yeah, <laughs> for episode one hundred. For episode one hundred, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. You know, it's like there is there's nothing inherently special about a hundred episodes, but it just feels big. I'll say, I mean, it it does feel it feels big. It feels special. It's kind of like you know we. We made it. We've been hmm. we've been doing this, and you know, I mean, we're we're it, it's almost two years since yeah. we uh, 
since we started up. So yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I'm excited to to celebrate and I'm excited uh, to give you, the listener, more um, more voice here. Yeah, so uh, the next episode is episode 99. So we're going to be covering a movie from 1999. Dan, do you want to tell everybody what that is? Yes, that is the comedy starring Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy, directed by Frank Oz. It is Bowfinger. That is right. And oh boy, I am I am looking forward to this. I've been kind of like hemming and hawing about it a little. I don't know. I just watched it recently and I'm I'm looking forward to watching it again and you know, with this in mind. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Fun movie. Bowfung Bowfunger. Bow Bow that's the sequel. Um no, uh excited to talk about Bowfinger. And if you haven't seen it before, uh check it out. It's actually a really good movie to especially if you're looking for like, you know, a good, you know, 90 minutes away from from the reality of the world. Yeah. Uh Bowfinger is an excellent break from from that reality. So yeah. Um, enjoy, and I'm looking forward to talking about yeah. it. Yeah, and Dan, on your journey to the asteroid Dottie, I wish you a good journey. Uh, may it not be an Ellie, may it be a good journey. Both shuttles will take off Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Now, 67 minutes later, you're going to dock with the Russian space station to meet Cosmonaut and Dropoff, who will refuel the shuttles with liquid O2. That's your fuel. Then you'll release and take a 60-hour trip toward the moon. Now, we only have one shot of landing on this rock, and that's precisely when the asteroid passes by the moon. You'll then use lunar gravity and burn your thrusters, slingshotting you around the moon, coming up behind the asteroid. You'll be upward of 11 Gs. 